Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. our Bibles and let's say this together. Ready? Read. This is my Bible. It is God's word written to me. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. So I receive it as truth for my life today and open my heart to hear God speak a word that will change my life forever. In Jesus name. Amen. How do I live set apart in a world that is not? If you're a Christian, that's an important question. How do I live set apart to God? Different. How do I live in a way that I'm following after God? That's glorifying God. How do I live in such a way that I'm consecrated, I'm sanctified, I'm set apart? All those Bible words. In a world, in a culture, in a system that is not. That's an important question. We've been on this series that we're calling Set Apart. Set Apart. And if you've grown up in church or You've, you've looked at your Bible a few times. You've seen those synonymous words, holy, consecrated, sanctified. Come on, anybody grow up in a church that said you got to be sanctified, right? And those are Bible words, and we need to understand what they mean because there is a relevant application for those Bible words, and those are all synonymous, holy, sanctified, set apart, consecrated. If you remember, I'm giving this working definition of set apart. Set apart is both, say both. It's both the instantaneous work of God and a lifelong process of learning to give myself to God. Somebody say process. Do you agree that sometimes the process is painful? Right? But this setting ourselves apart to and for God is both. It's an instantaneous work of God. And at the same time, simultaneously, it's a process, a lifelong process where we're learning to give ourselves to God. We're learning to live a lifestyle of being set apart to God. And I want us to understand, I'm going to share with us some things that we can do to live set apart in a world that's not. But before we get to some things that we got to do, I just have a feeling from the Lord this morning that we need to be reminded about something. Christianity doesn't start with what we can do. Christianity, true Christianity starts with what has already been done. Can somebody say amen? amen. 
Christianity starts in the finished work of the cross. Christianity starts with what Jesus Christ has already done for you. And so when you accepted Christ as your Savior, you got to hear me. You got to catch a revelation. You got to be freshly reminded this morning, third Sunday, 2021, when you said yes to Jesus in his mercy, in his redemptive power, in his love, he set you apart. He made you holy. He consecrated you. He sanctified you. He purified you. In his eyes, you're perfect. You're set apart. You're, you're sanctified for him and to him. The Bible says that God the Father made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And before we do anything to be set apart, you have to be convinced that in God's heart, in God's love, in God's mercy, He already, past tense, set you apart for Him. He purified you. And in this revelation of God purifying me and setting me apart, now with the power of the Holy Spirit, with the power of the Word of God, with the love and the community of the body of Christ, I can begin by faith to live in such a way that's set apart in a world that's not. Does that make sense? You got to catch that. You are already set apart. And a couple of verses that we're looking at as starting points, Romans 12.1 and Joshua 3. In a moment, we'll get to Joshua. But I want to read again Romans 12.1 in the amplified version. Paul's writing to the church and he says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, listen, dedicating all of yourselves, set apart as a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God, which is your rational, logical, intelligent act of worship. The word holy comes from the Greek word hagios, H-A-G-I-O-S. And what does that mean? It doesn't mean that you're this super religious, strange person. No, holy means set apart. It means sanctified. It means consecrated. It means God has set you apart for him and to him. And he's working that out in you now into a living reality so that you can learn to live set apart in a world that's not. But it's something he's already done, and now he's asking us to respond in, in light of all the mercies, in light of all of his goodness, in light of all of his redemption power. He's saying, okay, now I want you to respond, and I want you to live in such a way that's set apart. I want you to live in such a way where you're dedicating yourselves back to me. I want you to live in such a way where you, you're living holy, separate, distinct from the uncleanness and the garbage of the world that you live in. I want you to live set apart. So three things, if you're taking notes, here's the first thing. Here's your first fill in the blank. Three things I must do. Say, I must do, right? So we're responding. We're responding. He's already set us apart. Now he wants us to respond and live in such a way as we are set apart, okay? Number one, to live set apart, I must decide to live for God's kingdom, not this earthly world. Let that, let that drop. I must decide 
to live for God's kingdom. Not this earthly world. I'm concerned that many, many Christians are so supercharged politically that they may be giving themselves over to a donkey or an elephant and forget that they belong to the kingdom of the Lamb. Come on, amen. I got one amen. Any other amens? Uh, I'm just saying. Uh, I'm, I'm not trying to make a mountain out of a molehill. It just seems like that's a possibility. And I, th- I just think that the Holy Spirit wants to remind us this morning that before you belong to any uh, political side of the aisle, you belong to the kingdom of God if you're a Christian. The word kingdom is a word that means royal rule. It means dominion. It's not referring necessarily here on earth to the place, heaven. It's referring to the royal rule of the place on earth. Remember when the disciples asked Jesus, teach us how to pray. After you hallow the Father, he said, pray this. Your kingdom, your royal rule, your dominion, come. Your will be done. Where? On earth. As it is in heaven. So our, our first thing that we must do is we, we must decide that, that I'm a citizen of the kingdom. Because you are. And I'm going to live as a citizen of the kingdom. Because God's asked us to. Jesus purified you for himself. Jesus translated you out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the son of his love. You're a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. When Jesus was praying for his disciples somewhere in John 17, he said this, I'm just referring to it. He said, Father, they are not of this world just as I am not of this world. He's not referring to the earth, the globe. He's referring to this unseen realm of governing in the spirit this this ungodly world system jesus saying i'm not of it and anyone who's a follower of mine is not of it they're from a different kingdom so if we want to carve our way into living a life set apart set apart for god in a world that's not very first thing i must decide that I belong to the kingdom of God. My first allegiance is not to this earthly world. As a matter of fact, I believe in 1 John. David referred to this a couple weeks ago when he brought the message. The Bible says, don't love the world. If you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. This world system and everything about it, everything in it is passing away. So we have to have a loose grip on this earthly realm. Can somebody say amen? I want us to look at the story of Joshua, starting in Joshua chapter 3, so that we can look at some practical things from the story as a springboard of making a decision to live for God's kingdom. I want us to look at some practical things in this story that we can do to live set apart 
in a world that's not. Joshua 3.5, got to remember, Joshua's taking over for Moses. He's got this huge responsibility to lead God's people into the land of Canaan, which is a picture of heaven. It's the promised land. It's the place of God's people. I love Joshua. He's a picture. He's a type of Christ. He, he's our commander-in-chief. He's, he's, he's our king. He's leading us into battle, and he is victorious. And in Joshua 3, 5, it says, And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves. Sanctify, remember, means set yourself apart. Consecrate yourself. That is, separate yourselves for a special holy purpose. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. This is so relevant for us. God right now, I believe, across the globe is saying, Listen, people, set yourself apart. Consecrate yourself. There is a heightened spiritual awareness that something has shifted in the spirit in the United States of America. No more time to be wishy-washy in my walk with God. We're living in unprecedented times of national trouble, worldwide trouble, tension, division, instability, ungodliness. Can I just be honest? It doesn't matter who sits in the White House. It's beyond any man's control. It's beyond any uh, earthly government's control. If you're a Christian, you're different than the rest of the world. Now more than ever, I need to decide to live set apart. If I'm going to experience what God has for me, if I'm going to go to heaven when my time comes, if I'm going to live different than anybody else, I need to make a decision to live set apart. This is exactly what God was telling his people through Joshua. Sanctify yourself. Make a decision to live for my kingdom in the earth. Make a decision to live for me. There's no more going back. We're going forward to what I have for you. There's a story of General George Washington. He was approaching one of the fiercest battles of his campaign. He and his troops had crossed over a bridge, and as they were nearing the battle, one of his officers came to him and asked whether or not to burn the bridge behind them. General Washington looked towards the battle, and then he looked back to where they'd come from, and then back towards the battle, and then he gave his answer. Burn the bridge. It's either victory or death. See, George Washington made the decision. If you and I are going to be set apart in a world that's not, you and I got to burn the bridge. Amen. We've got to make a decision. There's no going back. We're following God. That's exactly what Joshua and God's people were setting out to do. To burn the bridge, to move forward, establish and advance God's kingdom in their lives, in their families, and in the earth. If we decide on the front end to live for God's kingdom, as trouble gets worse, as there's warfare in the earth, as there's pressure in the earth, we will know who we are. We will know who we're living for, and we will know what kingdom we belong to. Amen? But we've got to make the decision on the front end. Come on, repeat after me. I make a decision 
to live for God's kingdom. You got to make that decision. Amen. Number two, second thing I must do. To live set apart, I must follow God. Come on, say it with me, church. To live set apart, I must follow God. Back to the story in Joshua. So people have made a decision to live for God's kingdom. They've set themselves apart. They've reminded themselves of who they are and whose they are. They've sanctified themselves. They're going to go forward. They're going to step out. And they got to cross the River Jordan. The River Jordan was the first obstacle they had to get across to get to the land of Canaan. I want to move to Joshua chapter 3, verse 6 and 17, just for time's sake. I'm going to jump to 17. Joshua said to the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass over before the people. Somebody say, before the people. And they took it up and they went on before the people. Say, before the people. And while all Israel passed over on dry ground, the priests who bore, they were carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. They stood on firm, dry ground in the midst of the Jordan until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. This was a natural phenomenon. It was a miracle. It was powerful. The river stopped up, and all of the priests carrying the ark of God stepped out onto it on dry ground, and then all of God's people followed behind them, and they crossed the river Jordan. First big obstacle. Now, this is interesting. The ark of the covenant represented God's presence with them and God's presence going before them. I think it's also interesting that we know they followed the ark of God. And in Hebrews 9.4, just for reference sake, it says that the ark of the covenant contained three things. It contained manna, it contained Aaron's rod, and it contained the Ten Commandments. These are important. Here's some fill-in-the-blanks for you. Manna equals the provision of God. The rod of Aaron equals the power of God. The Ten Commandments equal the Word of God. Provision, power, word. Say those three words with me, church. Provision, power, word. Pulling all of this together tells us that in order to live set apart, we must follow God, listen, by following His Word and following His Spirit. The Ark of the Covenant was the presence of God. They set out to follow it. Do you know the world? People outside of a relationship with God, not you, not me. People outside of a relationship with God, they follow all kinds of stuff. They follow popular opinion. They follow uh, opportunities. They follow uh, CNN. They follow money. They follow their feelings, their emotions. They get mad. They get hurt. They get out. All kinds of people following all kinds of stuff. But if we're going to live set apart in a world that's not, we got to follow God. We got to follow God. We got to be a people that makes a decision. I'm going to follow God by following God's word. Can you say amen? I'm going to follow God by following God's spirit. See, the Word will always lead you away from sin, and the Holy Spirit will always confirm God's Word. So in the Old Testament, they're following the ark. What were they following? They were following God. They were following God's Word. 
They were following God's spirit, God's power. And guess what was there with that? Provision. The provision of God is always with his word and with the leading of his spirit. You know, the Bible says, for as many as are led, led by the spirit of God, these are the sons and daughters of God. So it's natural. It should be for us to be following God. So what are you trying to say, Pastor Robert? Now more than ever, now more than ever, we need to be people who are in the word and the word is in us. We're feeding on God's word. We're learning to be sensitive to the leading and the prompting and the correcting and the shaping and the molding of the Holy Spirit more than ever. If I want to live set apart in a world that's not, I need God's word. I need the Holy Spirit leading and guiding me. Amen. So they set out and they followed the presence of God. And the Bible says that they crossed the Jordan River. Now, go with me in your mind, in your heart. They're facing the first city and the first enemy that they've got to conquer. It's the city of Jericho. And Jericho's shut up, the Bible says. It's got walls all the way around the city. Nobody coming in, nobody going out. There's been some excavation of that site, Jericho. And some of the research shows that those walls were 25 feet tall, and they were up to 11 to 14 feet thick. And then when you got to the top of the wall, there was another mud incline that was at a 35-degree angle that went up another 10 feet or so. These were walls that were uh, military designed to keep the enemies out. And, and God's people have to destroy that city to move forward and advance God's kingdom and God's agenda. Joshua 6, 15 and 16 says this. Then, on the seventh day, they got up early at daybreak and they marched around the city in the same way seven times. Only on that day, they marched around the city seven times. Let me interject. God told them, listen, this isn't going to be about weapons and bows and arrows and clubs and knives right now. All I want you to do is be obedient and do what I say. So for six days, the marching took place and they only marched around the city walls one time and then they went back. And they looked at the promises of God. The next day, they marked around the city walls one time. And they went back and they prayed. And they encouraged each other in the things of God. He parted the Red Sea. He parted the Jordan. There's nothing impossible. He'll bring that wall down. He'll bring those cities down. They did that for six days. And the seventh day, verse 16. And the seventh time, when the priests had blown the trumpets. Remember, what were the priests carrying? That's good. What else? Come on, anybody get it? What were the priests carrying when they crossed the Jordan? The ark. So the priests are with the marching, and they're carrying the ark. And they blow the trumpets, and Joshua said to the people, shout. Some of y'all think shouting shouldn't take place in church, but look at that. Shout. For the Lord has given you the city. Look at verse 20. So the people shouted the battle cry, and the priests blew the trumpets. When the people heard the sound of the trumpet, they raised a great shout, and the wall of Jericho fell down. So that the sons of Israel went up into the city, every man straight ahead, climbing over the rubble, and they overthrew the city. Wow. The Holy Spirit is saying, listen. Though you walk in the flesh, 
You do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not earthly. They're not human. But they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. What was that wall? It was a stronghold. God's people had to be obedient. They had to be in faith. They had to rehearse the promises of God. They just had to walk around the city, walk around the city. Those enemies were probably laughing at them. They were probably thinking, what in the world are we doing? How is this going to do anything for us? Marching, 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 just being obedient, putting all of their trust, all of their dependency on God. And at the right moment, the walls came crashing down. Have you ever felt like in your life where God asked you to walk around walls? It's just like, how's this going to help, Lord? How is me reading my Bible every day going to make one lick of difference in this circumstance that I'm facing? How, how is me praying, whether in English or in tongues, going to make one bit of difference in this insurmountable enemy that I'm facing right now? Have you ever felt like that before, or is it just me? But the point is this. Here's your third feeling blank if you're taking notes. To live set apart, I must learn to fight spiritually. To live set apart, I must learn, come on, say it with me, how to fight spiritually. See, a lot of times as God's people, we focus on what we can try to do in the natural to bring a wall down, to fix a circumstance, to patch up a relationship, to, 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 to get ahead financially. Whatever the challenge is, we're too quick to rush to it with our own earthly weapons. And before you move forward and conquer the rest of the things that God has for you, you and I have to remember that we are a spirit. We have a soul and we live in a body. But because we are a spirit, we function at our best when we're functioning spiritually. And so you have to remember that you have to learn how to fight spiritually. I didn't say this, but it's worth noting in the story. If you go study it, when they crossed the Jordan, God instructed a leader from every tribe. There was 12 of them. Go back into the river and take a stone as a memorial for your future generations. And I want you to show this stone to your future generations and to your family as a reminder of the power of God who divided that river Jordan. So they had those stones with them when they were walking around one time for six days in a row. This is what I think. The Bible doesn't say it, but this is what I would do. I'm walking around one time trying to figure out what the heck is this going to do. But then I go back to camp. And I'm looking at that memorial stone. And that's what God asks us to do. When you're walking around your wall, whatever it is, then you come back to camp and you crack open your word. You turn on some praise and worship. You get in your prayer closet. You begin to confess God's word. You stop the doubt. Amen. You drive out the fear. You stay with what God promised, with what God said. Why is this important? Because 
Many times, God's people must first win in the spiritual before they win in the natural. And that's how you were created to function. That's how I was created to function. There's a part of living set apart that has this spiritual backbone, this spiritual grit. And now more than ever, in light of everything that's happening in our nation and in our world, we need to have that kind of spiritual backbone. We need to know what kingdom we belong to. We need to make a decision to follow God by following his truth and by following the spirit of truth. And then we need to make a decision. I'm going to learn how to fight spiritually. And if we can do those three things, we'll be on our way to living a life set apart in a world that's not. Have you been blessed by the word and the spirit this morning? again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.